Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm not going to do a dive into the pool. You think I'm going to do that? If you're here, not here on a regular basis, uh, normally this thing is not here. Cannonball, thank you for that. Uh, it's tempting. I uh, did this in the first service, and I have ADD, so this was kind of a new change for me. I'm looking you guys in the eyes. Hi. How are you doing? Hi, Frank. Yeah, so everybody up there. Really glad you're here. My name's Scott. Uh, we're kicking off a series today, in addition to Baptism Sunday, that we're going to spend several weeks uh, looking at called, If Grace is True. Say the word grace. Can you say that? Grace. grace. Yeah. And uh, I want to invite you, as a part of that, to be baptized today. When you came in, there's this card that says new. Some people have already planned to be baptized, but maybe you walked in, and uh, this would be the moment that you would make a significant change in your life. And I'll invite you to do that in, in a little bit, but I want you to think about it. I want to talk to you today, just very briefly, before we baptize these folks, uh, with a, a message about grace, and, and this, is the, this is the title, okay? You're so lame. Just turn to your neighbor and say, I know, you're so lame. We always read a passage of scripture after you've done, got done encouraging your neighbor in that way. I invite you to stand with me if you would. Uh, I'm going to read aloud this passage of scripture from the Old Testament, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 9. I'll read it aloud. You can follow along on the screen. This is from the life of David the king. One day David asked, is there anyone left of Saul's family? If so, I'd like to show him some kindness in honor of Jonathan. It happened that a servant from Saul's household named Ziba was there. They called him into David's presence, and the king asked him, Are you Ziba? Yes, sir, he replied. The king asked, Is there anyone left from the family of Saul to whom I can show some godly kindness? Ziba told the king, Yes, there is Jonathan's son, lame in both feet. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, who was the son of Saul, came before David, he bowed deeply, abasing himself, honoring David. David spoke his name. Mephibosheth. Yes, sir. Shuffling and stammering, not looking him in the eye, Mephibosheth said, Who am I that you pay attention to a stray dog like me? Don't be frightened, said David. I'd like to do something special for you in memory of your father, Jonathan. To begin with, I'm returning to you all the properties of your grandfather, Saul. Furthermore, from now on, you'll take all your meals at my table. And Mephibosheth ate at David's table, just like one of the royal family. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, taking all his meals at the king's table, he was lame in both feet. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. I, I don't know. I think this is a, a feeling that a lot of people have. But when I was a kid growing up, I just always had the feeling that I was different. There, there was something uh, not unique about me, but something that wasn't right about me. I kind of got the sense that everybody knew something that I didn't. I kind of got the sense that maybe I was doing it wrong and everyone else was doing it right. I kind of got the sense that everyone was succeeding and I was a failure. And I just had this general sense that something wasn't right. Maybe you can resonate with that. Uh, one time when I was a junior in high school, uh, our English teacher, to prepare us for college, uh, said, okay, now guys, listen, what we're going to do is I'm going to teach you how to do a research paper. If you go into college, you're going to have to research and have to know how to do that and write a paper. And so we're going to do this paper. And she taught us uh, how she did it with these note cards. And you had to take all these notes and pick a subject. And so I, I did all that. And I was the kid in school that I, I somehow was able to just kind of go through school. I didn't really have to study much. And I'd do okay on my tests. And I'd be all right. And, and I did some of the work, you know, like you're supposed to do uh, before uh, the day of the assignment. But I didn't do all of it. And I thought, you know, this can't be that hard. I mean, this has got to be no problem. So the night before it's due, 
uh, I'm sitting at the kitchen table. And my dad says, what are you doing, son? I said, well, I'm, I'm writing the paper that's due tomorrow. My dad just kind of went, okay. And uh, he said, well, uh, you're going to be up for a while. I said, all right, it won't take that long. Okay, good night, son. So I sat there uh, at 10 o'clock and at 11 o'clock and at 12 o'clock and at 1 o'clock and at 2 o'clock. And about 3 o'clock, I realized, man, I don't know if I'm going to get this done in time. I started literally to have a meltdown. I started to cry at one point. I started to yell at one point, um, and, and about 2.30 or so, uh, right outside the window, um, right, we lived kind of on a s- corner of a busy street, this cricket started to chirp. Now, I don't know if you've tried to do something and focus, and you get a little noise like a cricket, cricket, cricket. I don't know if you've ever had that, but it went out there, and now this may be TMI, maybe you don't want to think this about your pastor, but I was in my underwear, okay? And, and so I'm... I'm <laughs> I, I'm 2.30, 2, cricket, cricket, 2.45, cricket, cricket, 3 o'clock. I'm, I mean, I'm already melting down. And so I just, I'd had it. I went out, I don't know if I woke my dad up, but I went out, I got a broom. I went outside, out the front door, in my underwear, around the corner, and I'm taking the broom, and I am beating those bushes to get, shut up, you stupid cricket. I'm just, I'm just like losing, I'm losing it. Absolutely losing it. I finally, I did write the paper, it all worked out okay. I'm still here today, you know, that's great. But I got to tell you, I felt so lame. I felt so lame. Now, here's what I know uh, about the human condition. I know that kind of we all feel these things. The human condition really hasn't changed that much in thousands of years. Every generation thinks that they're doing it right and the last one did it wrong. Everyone kind of has the sense that that maybe something's wrong with them. Uh, We just have not changed that much. The truth about all of us is that we are so lame. We are so lame. Now, this story uh, from the life of David uh, is, is uh, about a kindness that he decided to show. Now, if you're, if you're a person of faith, the Bible is your family history. And this is uh, about the life of David. If you've seen on the news, Jews in Jerusalem praying at that big, huge wailing wall. Uh, David is the one who built, that's the, what's remaining from the temple that he built in honor of God. Uh, that's what his legacy from several thousand years ago. Uh, he's attributed with writing the Psalms, the prayer book that's in the middle of the Bible in the Old Testament. Uh, the way the writers of the Bible describe David said David was a man after God's own heart. And when David was just a boy uh, and had that scene with David and Goliath, it's kind of famous, even if you're not a person of faith, uh, there was a prophecy made about him. Someone went and said, you're going to become the next king. Well, the king at that time was a guy named Saul. And Saul was very prideful, he's very selfish, and uh, David, uh, when he found out that David killed Goliath, he invited David into his court, and David became friends with his son Jonathan, and Jonathan basically protected David from his evil father, who was out to kill him, because he found out that David had, had been prophesied that he would become the next king, and Jonathan and David became best friends. And at some point, Saul died in, in battle, and Jonathan died in a battle, and David became the king, and David one day wakes up, and he, re- he remembers. He says, you know, I, I wonder if there's anyone left from my friend Jonathan's family that I could help. He had this aha, uh-huh. and so he asks, and asks his scribes, and they look through the records. Yeah, yeah, there's this guy, uh, Ziba. He's a servant, so he brings Ziba in, and Ziba, is there anyone from the family? Yeah, yeah, there's 
there's Saul's grandson, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. He says, well, why don't you bring him in to me? Now, he's Mephibosheth, his name, um, if you're looking for a baby name, there you go. Uh, Mephibosheth, his name in that day, when you named a child, it meant something. It was supposed to be a blessing, and his name was meant the dispeller of shame. Well, he was anything but, because he was lame in his feet. Couldn't walk. Uh, when he was a little baby and Saul's uh, empire was under attack and they were literally fleeing from the palace, uh, Mephibosheth's nurse picked him up and in her haste to avoid the people who were literally on her heels to kill her and that baby, she dropped him on the floor and broke both of his ankles. And in that day, there was no way to repair that. So from the time he was little, all he knew was that he was lame. His entire life, he felt like he was different than everybody else. His entire life, he was an outsider. He was an entire life, people made fun of him. His entire life, he was in the wrong. And so he's summoned to come before the king, and he shows up before the king, and he bows his head. You can kind of sense when you read it just how he felt about himself. He's just head bowed. He's thinking, why would you even care about a stray dog like me? Have you ever felt that way? I'm just some mangy mutt. I mean, that, why, why would anyone care about me? Why would anyone bother with me? And he, he just, his whole life, he just had to say, not metaphorically and literally, I'm so lame. Now, this is what I know. <laughs> Mephibosheth is you and me. Sometimes we're lame, lame by our own choices, and like me, you find yourself outside at 3 a.m. in your underwear because of choices you made, beating the bushes, trying to get something to shut up. And maybe it's something way worse than that. But sometimes we're lame by our own choices. Sometimes we're lame because of the choices other people made that we didn't have anything to do with, and we just are the victims of them, and we don't, we don't really know what to, be, to do with ourselves. So what, what does God think? Though this is, this is the big question. What does God think about our lameness? Now, I know what we think. We think, you know, lameness is negative, and God is positive, and so what I need to do is I need to be really positive. I need to see, God doesn't need to see how lame I am. And so I need to prove to God how positive I am, how good I can be, and how many right choices I can make. And I'll read the Bible, and I'll go to church, and I'll go do, I'll, that way God will see how I'm not lame. And I, uh, I don't know what good that does us. In the, in the Bible, later in the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, he has an experience in his life of lameness, and he asks God to take it away. It's like, like you and I. God, please take this away. God, come on, you've got to take this away. And uh, what he gets back in response from God is recorded in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. This is the answer he gets back from God about his lameness. And I'll make sense of this for you here in a second. Uh, we're going to throw it on the screen. It says this. My grace, say that word with me, grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Because you know how electricity works, right? You have a positive and a negative, and when you put the two of them together, what do you get? You get a circuit, and you get power. And we know that God's positive, and so we try to take our positive, like, I'm going to be positive about my life, and I'm going to do better, and I'm going to try harder, and we try to take our positivity to God's positiveness and connect it. But you know electricity works, right? When you take a positive and a positive, you know what happens? Nothing. Or we try and, we try and go, okay, God's uh, I, you know, I, I, God's not negative, but I'm going to bring my negative. When, when you take a negative and a negative, what happens? Nothing. But when you take a positive, like God, who's, who's more positive than the creator of the universe? Who, who's more positive? And then you take your negative. That's what Paul found out. You take your negative. You take your own, oh, man, I'm lame, and I got no help. 
and you connect your, posit- your, your negative lameness to God's positive grace, what do you get? Man, power. And your life changes because you don't pretend anymore. You don't try and deny it or be something that you're not. You, you own it and you go, God, unless you step in, unless you do something about my life, nothing's going to happen. Because see, your, your negativity, your lameness, that's God's opportunity. God sees that as his moment to step into your life. And as long as you deny it and pretend like it's all positive, it's just positive to positive. Nothing happens. Nothing changes in your life. And so when you're lame, you have, someone has to notice you or you stay the same. When you are lame, someone has to notice you or you stay the same. See, now Mephibosheth was waiting his whole life. He's lame. And he's just, just on a fluke. Some person, some random individual uh, remembers him and makes a difference in his life. And he, his whole situation changed. He eats at the king's table. Now listen, listen, that. Mephibosheth is just a person, one person happened to notice him. You, you need to understand that we're talking, the king noticed Mephibosheth. That's a, ch- a game changer. But the king, the king of kings, notices you. He sees your lameness. At one point Jesus is walking and he sees, and he says this about Jesus. He, he sees the people, you and me, and he says they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. David, the psalmist, we know one thing he wrote about God and how God sees you in your circumstance. He says, God is close to the brokenhearted. He sees, uh, when, when the, and his people were in slavery in Egypt, he said, I have seen their affliction and I have come down to help them. The king sees you. You got to understand that. The king sees you. And when the king sees you and you bring your lameness to the king, what happens is he says, now you come sit at my table and you eat my food and I'll take care of you, and I'll make the difference in your life. When these people get down in the water here in just a minute, they're not getting in the water because they're just good people, and their goodness is what got them in the water. They're getting in the water because they recognize, man, I'm lame, and unless somebody helps me, nothing's going to change in my life. And you might say, you might take the card, and you might go, I need that. i got to take my negative you know, i got to take the negativity of my circumstance and experience and tie it to the positivity of God's grace. i got to have some power in my life. And you're in that situation. Man, I just want to invite you to do this exact same thing. You take this card. You write this thing out. When we call them up in a minute, you just get up yourself. We say it every, week, every time we have baptism Sunday. You'll go home wet, but you'll go home clean. You'll go home different. You'll go home understanding and feeling God's grace, goodness to you. Well, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing, and then we're going to dunk a bunch of people, and, and I, this could be your moment. Don't miss it. Let's pray. God, thank you that you don't look for people who have it all together. You look for people who are a mess. You don't look for people uh, who've stopped all the bad stuff. You look for people who are willing to admit they can't stop and they need help. You look for the people who need you and the people who can admit, I'm so lame. God, thank you that you see our lameness as an opportunity to intersect our life and to change it forever. We see it as the end. We see it as the the definition of who we are. You don't see it that way. Your grace doesn't see people that way. And so, God, by your grace today, change lives. As we respond to what you're saying to us, pray this in your name. All God's people said. Amen.